The coronavirus and the classroom, schools, students, and parents searching for the balance between providing education and protecting health. I don't think anything can be ideal at this point, right? Um, but I do think we still have an opportunity to hear voices uh, and just make sure everybody is accounted for in this strategy and how we deploy this. A strategy and how to deploy it, a challenge facing every school district in greater Cincinnati. You know, I mentioned that I don't have all the answers. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a public health expert. Um, so that's what we do. I, I take the time to listen. Listening as parents express concern, confusion, and resolve to get the school year underway. It will still be here in the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. But just like the flu, we have to learn to live with it. The challenge of opening schools during the pandemic on this edition of Let's Talk Cincy. From WLWT, this is Let's Talk Cincy, presented by Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. Returning to school means many challenges for parents and students and school districts out there and a lot of questions. Welcome to Let's Talk Cincy. I'm Alexis Rogers. That's why we're taking a closer look at what school leaders plan to do when the year begins and how it could impact your family. Andrew Setters begins our look at the area's largest school district, CPS. From something as simple as what days of the week your students will actually be in school to what those school days will look like, there will be a lot of changes for Cincinnati Public Schools families this year. CPS staff and leadership has been working through those changes. We're here to help you through some of the logistics. Health and safety is one of the core messages that we're focused on for the upcoming school year. Superintendent Laura Mitchell's team recently walked through all the changes being made to deal with the challenges posed by the coronavirus. They've been working to make the CDC guidelines for schools a reality at every CPS building. Those guidelines are not mandatory, but at CPS, we have taken a very strict adoption of those because we believe that is the best and safest guidance um, that leads to the safest opening possible. To maximize physical distance, only half the students will be in a classroom at a time and the other half will be at home. Group A would attend in-person classes three days a week and learn remotely the other two days. Group B would have in-person class two days and learn remotely three days the following week. They would switch. How do you know which group your child is in? They're dividing the district in half. Group A involves students with last names beginning A through K. Group B, students with last names L through Z. To keep siblings on the same schedule, kids in the same family are grouped by the oldest sibling's last name. Getting to school means wearing masks pretty much from the moment you walk out of the house. We will require staff and students to wear cloth face coverings when in the buildings and when riding buses, including Metro. Parents will need to provide masks, so add plenty to your school shopping list. Buses will be loaded differently with students spaced out and buses sanitized between routes. When students get to school, they'll be given a health check. We will be taking temperature of the students as they enter into our building. There will be a focus on hand washing and hand sanitizer for kids of all ages. And there will be no field trips, no assemblies, and minimal mingling between different groups of kids. Breakfast and lunch will be served in the classrooms instead of in the cafeteria. Take-home meals will be available for students on remote learning days. Beyond that, custodians have been given new equipment and new routines. Cleaning and sanitizing will be stepped up and more fresh air will be pumped into buildings. Our buildings will be safe. I do believe that um, or I wouldn't be able to stand behind this plan. 
The Board of Education has signed off on the superintendent's plan and given her more authority to decide if schools need to move away from a blended learning plan and shift to online learning only. If by some miracle or vaccine things go back to normal, then we switch back. And if things get worse, then we go all virtual. With so many new procedures and expectations being put in place, flexibility and adaptability will be key. Things could change with the schedule and with expectations at school as conditions change with COVID in the community. Andrew Setters, WLWT News 5. As you can see, there are so many moving parts to this. The CPS school board is scheduled to meet in early August. The first day of school for students is now scheduled for August 24th. And speaking of CDC guidelines, the agency is strongly in favor of reopening schools for the fall. The guidelines include things already widely known, like practicing good hygiene, disinfecting surfaces regularly, and spacing out students to maintain social distancing. Other recommendations include repurposing unused or underused buildings or moving classes outside when possible. And the guidelines also spell out why the CDC believes kids should be back in the classroom. The, CD, the CDC says kids are less likely than adults to spread it and they suffer from being out of school. The CDC also says local officials should consider closing schools or keeping them closed if there is uncontrolled transmission of the virus. These are recommendations and not not necessarily what school districts will follow. Parents are weighing in the benefits and the risks of sending their kids back to the classroom. What our roundtable of parents are saying when Let's Talk Cincy returns. Hi there and welcome back. The Diocese of Covington says the upcoming school year will be pushed back. Schools in the diocese were supposed to start on August 10th, but Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir recommended no schools start earlier than August 17th. So that's now the new start date for Northern Kentucky Catholic schools. We continue to talk to parents out there about what they would like to see and the impact that all of these ever changing updates are having on their families. Many say for parents, this is a crisis of confidence in what they believe they need and in the decision making process of the options for their kids. Hello, I'm Ashley Glass. I am a concerned parent of a kin um, incoming kindergartner, second grader, fifth grader. Um, I also have started my own organization called Black Women Cultivating Change, in which we're trying to bring light to the social determinants of health and kind of level out the playing field, um, passionate about health equity, and very concerned about the health and well-being of the children here in CPS. Hi, I'm Jody Cunningham, and I am a mother of two boys um, at North Avondale Montessori, um, an incoming kindergartner and an, a fourth grader. Um, so I'm concerned on that front, um, but also I work as Director of Health and Housing for the Community Builders. Carlton Collins, uh, I serve as uh, Interim Executive Director for Lincoln Heights Outreach. Um, also serve in the dual capacity as being Program Director. So we have um, the after school program, summer camp, as well as kindergarten bridge programs. Um, and then also I'm a, I'm a parent of a 12 year old, um, who'll be changing schools in the midst of all of this. And I'm Meredith Owensby. I'm co-director of Lydia's House. We are a small supportive shelter in Norwood. You know, where do we go from here? I know some people say, hey, the decision's already been made. We just have to kind of, you know, work with it. Others say, not so fast. We can still change this. You know, what's your take on it? Just go ahead and dive in. Uh, I would say one of the first things um, that I think the school districts should facilitate 
is creating some kind of platform. Like, are you are you guys like familiar with like Nextdoor? There's like the Nextdoor app where you know you stay connected with your neighbors. I think there should be something similar for parents, right? There's going to be a lot of these situations that I think the school district themselves won't be able to solve. I agree, and I think I would just add to that. Um, it's an opportunity for us to ask our employers to step up and be a bit more flexible. So I think that it would be great if um, some of our local philanthropic foundations that do work in policy would encourage our employers locally to adopt some flexible family policies where parents don't have to be put in this position to leave their kid at home where they might be old enough, as Meredith mentioned, or go to work. I think the research really is positive in terms of the low risk for reopening schools. I, I don't know how much of that was taken into consideration, but in countries around the world that have reopened schools, they haven't seen a surge due to schools. And so we, we're kind of couching against a potential risk, whereas what we know when we don't have kids in school, that there is definite harm. I talk to many parents that say, I'm just not comfortable. They don't have a cure for this thing. It's spreading like wildfire. These numbers are growing up. What's the conversation like, you know, between you all and some of those parents? I feel like if you are a parent and you are concerned, that you should go ahead and take advantage of that online format and kind of work together with your family or um, support systems to work that through and then leave the kids who actually do need to be in those classrooms five days a week. Um, that would um, create more space for them to have the six feet. Um, so I think that would, is actually a positive. So I think that would kind of level out too that space in the classroom. I think there's a, a great opportunity for, you know, you know, as we are the bastion of, you know, corporate America with all the Fortune 100s that we have, for them to step up and invest in kind of, you know, how do we create, um, like, there's no Wi-Fi deserts. How do we make sure everybody has a device? If a school district needs some additional support, how do we lend them that support to make it an option for kids to be able to stay home? So many different perspectives there. The pandemic is impacting more than the classroom and the move on one school district made that sidelined fall sports. We will go into that a little bit, but we also know that there's so much more to talk about. We'll be right back on Let's Talk Cincy. The coronavirus pandemic is affecting more than just the classroom. It's having a pretty heavy impact on high school athletics as well, as well as after school activities. Let's talk Cincy reporter John London now with the decision made in Middletown about fall sports. Middletown football struggled to live up to a winning legacy in recent years, but this is the biggest loss yet. Fall sports have been suspended due to risks associated with rising coronavirus numbers. Just over a decade ago, Zach Edwards was in the white and purple midi uniform. He understands the tradition, the small town embrace of the game, and the unifying way it pulls sports together. As much as people love sports, I mean, you want to put the safety of kids first, honestly. And, and this is what the community feels, and the, the higher-ups feel is the best decision. And, and, you know, we fully support their decisions on what they're doing. 
What they're doing is canceling all fall sports, the marching band, and many other extracurricular activities. The superintendent feels the weight of this moment, but believes it's necessary to help prevent any further spread. My heart breaks. Our coaches' heart breaks. Uh, our staff, their hearts are broken that we don't get a chance to interact with our students the way we're traditionally accustomed to uh, interacting with them. This mother of a junior soccer player says her son's disappointed. The loss of sports, however, is not universally felt. It's not going to hurt anybody to miss another season of football. Nevertheless, the MIDI tradition is deeply held. The greats who grew up here are remembered in trophy cases and on the Chris Carter playing field itself. A season now thrown for a conclusive loss. I mean, you definitely feel for the seniors, but um, I, I've been around the seniors in Middletown, and they're, they're pretty positive. They have a pretty positive outlook on this, and uh, they're hopeful. I'm John London, reporting for Let's Talk Cincy. Of course, a very tough decision by the Middletown School District, but it is a sign of the critical times that we are facing. Curtis Fuller talked at length with Middletown Superintendent about the unprecedented path school leaders and parents are having to navigate. So knowing that we have community spread that's present, fact, based on the positive cases, increase in hospitalizations, um, significant concerns surfaced uh, for me as a superintendent about my ability to keep people safe to keep students safe, to keep our staff safe, and uh, to keep our community safe, knowing that people are going home to families. So with the presence of community spread, it makes it causes for serious reconsideration about safety. Um, I know myself and our board and our treasurer uh, unanimously on July 20th, we decided the safest thing to do for the health and well-being of the people that we serve um, as a district was to, was to uh, introduce a remote start to the school year. So starting the week of uh, August 17th, we'll be distributing uh, resources to our community, um, our families and students, and then uh, we'll start some of that new instruction. We're excited for the remote piece, uh, but at the same time, we'll continue to work with our health officials to really focus on safety, uh, making sure we're tracking the data as best we can. Uh, and hopefully our community, we step up and we mitigate the spread. Do you feel comfortable that some school districts can bring kids back into the classroom? Uh, credit to superintendents in the profession right now. Yes, we have tough decisions to make, uh, but for our communities that we serve, I want to give you confidence that we are meeting all the time. We collaborate all the time. Uh, ever since coronavirus showed up and schools were shut down, every single county in Southwest Ohio, and I'm sure across the state and across the country, uh, but county superintendents, we were meeting twice a week uh, to talk about how things are going entertaining protocols, uh, exploring possible decisions, focusing on safety. We were meeting with health commissioners. I know here in Butler County, uh, we meet with three health commissioners twice a week uh, to get their perspective on how things are going. We're meeting with health experts to get information. Uh, so I wanna focus my response on the fact that we're not making these decisions in isolation. We're leaning on our colleagues, other superintendents and health officials, uh, for the parents at home, just to give you confidence uh, that it's not just one person making the decision. Uh, these are hours upon hours of conversation and evaluation circumstances. So when you ask me, do I feel confident about what other districts are doing? I absolutely do. Uh, because I know for a fact, superintendents, we're sitting there throughout uh, the, the day, twice a day, and even hours upon hours at night, uh, really with safety on our mind. Um, we know it's our responsibility or obligation to keep people safe. And, uh, we're making decisions on that. Um, I know every community has different circumstances when it comes to 
any potential for uh, community spread or low volume of cases or high volume of cases. Uh, but I know superintendents, myself included, and my colleagues that we've worked with hours upon hours, uh, we're evaluating the data. We are working with our health officials. Uh, the health commissioners have been absolutely amazing. Uh, but those, those decisions that we're making, I know for a fact that we've got safety in our mind. Um, and the protocols that we've got in place following those CDC guidelines, I know are designed to keep students safe. Educators have been back in the lab all summer, shoring up their skill sets. They've been building digital content, uh, preparing to engage students academically in a remote setting. So we're set up to be successful. Um, I praise all the educators who put the time in. But I'm really excited for students to now have the opportunity to choose how they want to go about getting their education. Uh, they win at the end, and that's all that matters. But yes, we've seen some reductions to our budget, uh, just based on the impact of coronavirus on the economy here in Ohio. But at the same time, some CARES Act funding has come in, and that has helped us out, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so there's some wins and some losses, no doubt. Uh, but I will say that districts, us included here in Middletown, we're, we remain focused on being fiscally responsible. Uh, our focus is, since we're starting remote, is to make sure students get the same experience they had should they came back, came back to school. Uh, so we're focused on, you know, leveraging our finances in creative ways so that we can respond to whatever needs or supports kids need while they're in a remote setting. Uh, so those funds are definitely critical. Uh, we definitely appreciate any CARES Act fundings that we're getting. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've got local dollars. We're trying to stretch as much as possible to service our kids' needs. There are 6,200 students who attend Middletown City Schools, and initially these district planned to bring all the school kids back for in-person learning. But as you heard the superintendent Stiles say, once COVID-19 cases started to peak in late June and July, leaders made a 180-degree shift to go all online. Helping the youngest of our learners during this coronavirus pandemic, why a local preschool program is vital before the pandemic and needed now more than ever. Ohio child care providers are gearing up to return to normal class sizes. They also want to make sure that everyone has access to highly rated programs from neighborhood to neighborhood. They feel like that's very important. One avenue that hasn't stopped educating during this pandemic is preschool promise. We've made tremendous strides in serving the children of Cincinnati. So I'm very excited and happy about that. Voters approved $15 million a year in new property taxes to help pay for preschool and better programs a few years ago through Preschool Promise. Now the program is playing a major role in the future of early education after the pandemic, especially for heavily impacted areas throughout the city. In the first two results that we showed of our evaluation, when we said what progress were we making, when you look at the hard numbers and data, the children that benefited most, that had the greatest gains from two years of preschool, were the children that had the lowest income, right, and African-American children that had the most challenges. Those are the children that we know had higher KRA scores, who were more ready for kindergarten and were most benefited by the preschool promise and two years of quality preschool. Now the focus is all about adjusting. Well, as I said, um, a lot of our families, they have mixed emotion as to, yes, my child needs preschool, but yes, is it safe for me to take my child to preschool? And so that's why one of the things or a couple of things that we're doing are the webinars. Um, we've started something called Preschool Chat. We just had our first episode of it this week. And what we did is we brought providers and parents together to talk about concerns in early education. I'm very excited about our next one. 
one, we're going to be talking about providers, about how they are keeping our children safe, because we know that it's a concern for parents, but at the same time, we still have to be focused on education, so we have to find a way to combine the two. So, you know, we've done a lot of different things. We've been so fortunate to have many local churches that have in-house preschools that are locations there, but churches and community has really stepped up to say, how do we partner with Preschool Promise families and providers from donating PPE equipment and cleaning supplies to making sure people with food security had access to that, to offering business supports and business education classes. We've seen an unprecedented coming together of the community to say, how do we support our early learners and how do we support our small businesses? We hope at the federal level that there'll be continued investment in the CARES Act, the HERO Act, and other acts that support childcare because without it, we're afraid that many of those small businesses won't be able to survive. Being able to promote parent choice um, because parents need to be able to have a choice. And so some parents are going to only need the regular structure that CPS offers, and some parents are going to need the structure that the community providers offer. But in the big picture, both of them are just as important. Both are very important, and we spent quite a bit of time with the Preschool Promise folks, and they gave us some interesting numbers here. 78% of their family child care providers are owned by black women and considered small businesses, which is a very uh, particular demographic that has been having a hard time getting those funds and support, which is why those webinars have become very crucial resources to help them stay afloat. As you can see, so many people are working hard from school district to school district, and at the end of the day, they all just have to continue talking it out and trying to get to a solution. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Cincy. We want to hear from you. Let us know how you feel. Email us all of your ideas at LTC at WLWT.com. You can also see full episodes and stories from Let's Talk Cincy by going to the menu tab of WLWT.com and clicking on Let's Talk Cincy. We're also in podcast form, so you can even find us there too. We're so excited to see you next week for another week of Let's Talk Cincy. Remember, stay encouraged. Thank you.